Welcome to Bill Bronchick's Real Estate Investing Podcast. Mr. Bronchick is an attorney, best-selling author, and a real estate investor with 25 years' experience. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com. Today, I want to talk about returning to what I call fundamentals of real estate investing. It's 2019, and the market is starting to change a little bit. And I think we need to talk about adjusting our investment strategies to accommodate for the upcoming potential changes, or maybe not, maybe for the better, maybe for the worse, maybe the same. We don't really know. But what we've seen definitely is some slowdown in a lot of markets, particularly on the higher end of the scale of houses. And it's primarily because of rising interest rates and uncertainty about it on a lack of affordability three and a half percent loan versus a five and a half percent loan is going to change things it's going to change demand supply however hasn't still caught up in most markets in most markets we're still at 50 percent or less of normal inventory so that's a good sign i don't see any scenario potentially where we have a repeat of 2008 where everything just dropped in half i don't see that because A, we don't have the blow up of the lending market like we did. We don't have excess inventory as we did, too much home building and too many houses for sale. Instead of a change in supply, it's more of a change in demand because of higher interest rates. And I, my prediction is that that will slough off after a while. People will get used to the idea of 5% interest rates. And frankly, historically, that's cheap. Historically, 8% or better is, is still good. But 5% compared to the traditional 3 or 4% seems high to some people because it ups their payment. You know, if you're going from 3.5% to 5%, that's a 50% change in payment, which will affect the ability of someone to afford a house. So I, I think we're seeing some slowdown of the market, houses sitting a little bit longer. Some in some neighborhoods, maybe even dropping in prices and some neighborhoods stay the same. Some neighborhoods will still continue to increase. So fundamentals are so important because it's important to know what the market is. It's important to know where your market's going. But ultimately, real estate deals succeed and fail based upon the fundamentals of the deal, not necessarily the fundamentals of the market. If you have your market gauged wrong, you can have a good deal that has good fundamentals in the market will prevent that deal from being a a tremendous deal. So it's important to know where your market is and where it's going. But ultimately, you have to be able to buy and sell and hold properties vis-a-vis the appreciation factor of the market. Appreciation is basically gravy. You could time markets properly. You can get in low and get out high. You could, if you think the market's going to take a tumble in the near future, you could wait it out and then buy cheaper. That's you know, potentially uh, your call, depending on what your uh, relevant market is going is doing and, and where it is going. So it's important first to, to gauge your local investing area. The national market is meaningless. The statewide market where you are is probably meaningless too. Even in some cases, the citywide market might be irrelevant. You want to do is gauge the market where you're investing in specifically in your houses. Now, there are certain factors that affect the national market, such as interest rates, as we talked about, change in tax laws, 
um, change in financing regulations. Those things will change the national market. Statewise and citywise, it's more a function of economy. So the economy is generally good throughout the country and depending on what city you go to, it might be better or worse than average. Uh, you want to know what's driving the economy, what's making people come in more than go out of your relevant city or your relevant neighborhoods, and what jobs are, are attracting people. Uh, are they paying more? Are in salaries increasing? Are they hiring more people? Are there new businesses? Is there new development? So all those things will be relevant to your neighborhood, but if you're going to drill it down to the locality of where where you're investing, you have to look at basically three things. Number one, you want to know what the median price is for your neighborhood. Uh, now, many of you know median and average are not the same thing. Median is the middle. Average is just an average, and that could be higher or lower than median. So you want to know what the median number is in your particular investing area. And you can get that data from a realtor. You could get it online from things like Zillow, Trulia.com, Redfin, and even Realtor.com has some of those stats as well. So if you're looking, when I say your neighborhood, that could be a zip code or even smaller, depending on how big of a zip code it is. So we want to know what's the median price, where was it last year compared to this year, same time, because we want to look at year over year, we want to look month over month, uh, and then we also have to adjust for seasonality. Obviously, a house in December is going to sell for less than a house in June. Um, so we have to adjust for the seasonal fluctuations. That's why it's good to look at, if you're looking at January, you want to look at January of last year. Uh, we'll look at December of last year. It'll probably, in most areas, uh, with the exception of you know places that don't affect seasons like Hawaii, uh, it, probably be higher than it is in December just because December between Thanksgiving pretty much and New Year's is a, is a dead market. So you're going to have lower prices. January things start picking up and they really start picking up in the spring and the summer. Also, we want to look at number two, days on market. How many days on average does it take to sell a house in your relevant area? Now, you want to look at that again, month over month, year over year. Where was it last year? Where is it this year? I would say almost unequivocally in just about every area, it's going to be longer now than it was a year ago. It might have been in some areas as little as two weeks or three weeks to sell a house. And now it might be a month, month and a half. And a month, month and a half is, is pretty normal. It's a normal market. We've been in an abnormal market for so long. I mean, abnormally good for so long that people forgot that typically a house takes 30 to 45 days to sell on the open market at a fair price, at a reasonably listed uh, price. So we want to look at days on market, and that is going to affect how long we hold the house, so our holding costs. It may or may not affect price depending on how quickly you're trying to move it. So if you weren't trying to move it within two to three weeks versus the average of 45 days, you may need to drop your price accordingly. And number three, we want to look at supply. What is the supply quotient for the relevant neighborhood? So we look at that by taking a ratio of houses for sale to houses sold. So for example, if there are, let's say, um, 30 houses for sale in a particular geography, and we look at that five have sold in the last 30 days, then the quotient is six, meaning six months of inventory 
if nothing else went for sale, it would take six months to liquidate everything. So five a month times six is 30. Now, that's a normal market. Six months of inventory is a normal market. And we're not in a normal market, or we haven't been in a normal market for so long. We may not be in a dropping market. We actually may be adjusting from a hot market to a normal market. Because inventory for so long was two to three months in most markets, and some markets as low as one month. And that's abnormally pro-seller. If it's less than six months, it's a seller's market. That means things are moving quickly. If it's more than six months, then it's more of a buyer's market. Now, some people like that idea. Some people like the idea of, hey, I want it to go up to 10 or 12 months so I can buy up bargains and then you know, ride the curve the next time it goes up. And that's certainly a, a productive strategy, but you have to be prepared for the the holding period in the meantime can you cash flow it so really in looking at your investing area looking at day zone market median price and supply quotient we have to look at those in the realm of what your strategy is for investing so for example if your strategy is rentals then how long it takes to sell is not that relevant because you're not selling you just need to know where the rents are where the rents are going and obviously you want to get a discount on price so you want to know what the median price is and and so forth so you would look at other things like what are rents in the neighborhood how much rent rental units are are, are vacant versus rented what is the um, occupancy rate and you might even want to go to the building department and see if they're building new apartments or or houses other things that might compete with the supply of that is already there so rental versus maybe a flip, a short-term versus long-term strategy. If you're flipping, it's very, very important to know days on market. It's very, very to know supply curve and median price, and rents are not that relevant unless, as a backup strategy, if you can't sell it for what you expected, can you rent it? So in that respect, you should know. So it's very important to know these things. Again, you can make money whether the market is up or sideways or down. It really doesn't matter so much because you can adjust your strategy accordingly, as we'll talk about in our numbers in a minute. But it's important to know where your market is to gauge your strategy. And again, um, in a good hot market like we've had for so long, you can make mistakes and, and ignore fundamentals sometimes because the market will save you. But in a flat or declining market, that won't work. You have to really drill down on the fundamentals to make sure each deal stands on its own and not the idea that, well, if I can't sell it, I'll rent it. Or if I, you know, if I can't sell it now, I'll rent it for a year and then I'll sell it for 10% more because the market will go up. You can't really rely on that strategy in every market. Okay. So first, let's talk about the flip strategy. And, and most of you know the flip strategy in numbers is typically taking uh, 70% of the after repaired value of the property. So after repaired value, meaning if it was listed on the MLS tomorrow at competing prices for other houses, and it was beautiful, just like all the other houses that are sold, being sold just like it, what would that likely sale number be? Okay, that's our ARV, after repaired value. So we take 70% of that number, subtract the improvements that it'll take to get the house from its current condition to its after repaired value condition, and that's the maximum price we want to pay. So 
I'm going to use rough numbers here just to use the example. I know there's probably not a $100,000 house in our investment portfolio, but if it was a $100,000 ARV, we'd want to pay 70, and then if it took 20,000 repairs, we want to pay 50. Now, that may seem low, 50 compared to 100, but it's not really 50 compared to 100 because it's not worth 100 in its current condition. Maybe only worth 70 or 80. And a lot of people strayed from this formula when the market was good. They said, oh, 70%, it's too hard to find. I'll pay 75, I'll pay 80, but it'll sell so quickly that my holding costs will be less, so I'll make it up, or it'll, it'll go up in value by the time it's sold. And that may have been true, and you may have gotten away with it, but you won't get away with it in a flat market or a declining market. In fact, in a declining market, your ARV is lower. It's not what it'll sell for now. It's, let's say you're projecting two months rehab, one or two months on the on the MLS to sell four months. So you have to, if it's in a declining market, you have to take your best guess at four months from now, what will it sell for? And that could be a function of the market. It could be a function of seasons, because if you start in January and then you sell in May, May, it could be higher because of the seasonal fluctuation or it could be lower because of the overall market adjustment in your area. So you got to do this math and really kind of take your best guess. And if you're not sure, talk to some realtors in your area who specialize in that neighborhood. Okay. So flips are, you know, a simple mathematical formula. I still think they're viable in, in just about every market. You just got to make sure you get your ARV right. That's where it starts with. And, and then gauge it 70% minus repairs. Okay. Rentals are a little different. Rentals we want to focus on a different market, whereas flips you might want to flip, you might want to flip medium to higher priced homes. Rentals we're looking at the lower end, and the reason we do that is because lower end properties rent more per dollar of value than higher end properties. There's just more renters in the lower end, so we're going to stick to the lower end of the market, and that's usually a fairly safe as far as values go because. There's so little supply of low-end homes because builders are not building new, you know, 1,200-square-foot, three-bedroom, two-bath ranches anymore. They're building 2,500, 3,500-square-foot, uh, four-bedroom, 400, $500,000, $600,000 houses. They're, they're building more expensive houses. And that number may be high or low depending on what market you're in, but just you get the idea. As opposed to a $300,000 rental or $200,000 rental, depending on what market you're in. Most people buy them for cash, fix them up, and then refinance to get most of their money out. So if you're going to go with that strategy, you must be able to get an appraisal if you plan on getting a refi after you rehab it. Okay, so if you paid cash or you bought it with hard money and then you're going to fix it up and rehab it based on its appraised value, it's got to appraise. So price is important. I mean, there's no fixed number that I that you should buy a rental at as a percentage of value. Uh, you want to get some discount. You know, in some cases, depending on the neighborhood, depending on the city, you could pay almost full price for a rental and get tremendous cash flow. However, Whatever your strategy is, make sure you're, if you're planning on getting a refi loan in the near future, it must appraise. So you've got to know the market, where it's going, and whether it'll, re, it'll appraise for what you expect it to. Again, a huge discount is not necessary on the cheaper properties, but of course you want to get the best discount you can. And of course, that may be a function of how, how the condition of the property is currently. Um, 
if the property's a wreck, you're going to get a discount. But then again, do you really want to spend 40 grand rehabbing a property to make it a rental, particularly if we're talking about a hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollar property, depending on your neighborhood. In California, where that property might be a half a million, it might, you know that might be worth it. But in Indianapolis, where the property on its best day might be worth a buck fifty, fifty grand is a lot to spend. Okay, so just keep that in mind. And also, for those of you who are saying, I'm going to sit on the sidelines and wait for the market to drop in the next two or three years and then pick it up. And that might be a good strategy, but consider this. If interest rates are expected to rise, you got to calculate, if you're going to buy a property with a 30-year mortgage and you're expecting a certain interest rate as a number, what will the change in interest rate over the next year or two might be, let's say, instead of paying now, let's say you paid... 150 now for a house, and you got to loan it, you know, five and three quarters, as opposed to buying that house in two years for 120, and your interest rate might be six and a quarter. Now, I haven't done the math on that, but you have to run the numbers of what you're going to pay in interest over those years, and is it worth it? Is it worth higher interest rate to get lower price? So consider that as you're doing your investing strategies. Okay, uh, another strategy I think is going to be very good is, as the market starts to soften up, and if it softens up a lot, particularly on the mid to high end home, priced homes. When I say high end, I mean upper middle class, um, not the multi million dollar homes. So in my market, I'll give you an example of Denver. Four sixty is the median. A six hundred thousand dollar house would be middle to upper middle, maybe up to eight hundred thousand might be middle to upper middle middle class home. Um, those houses, particularly the newer ones, where they're build, still building houses in a subdivision or nearby, are going to be hard to sell, and they're going to drop in price. So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for subject twos, where you find someone who's got a $650,000 house, they owe six hundred. Maybe they're a payment or two behind. If they sell it with a realtor after closing costs and realtor fees, they're lucky to get, you know, break even after paying off their mortgage and late fees and so forth and broker fees, you could just come along and say, uh, I'll take the property subject to the existing mortgage, meaning just they deed it over to you and you give them some cash or not uh, and make up their back payments and then just take that deal and then sell it with owner financing on a wraparound to someone who maybe can't qualify at a bank and that will make it sell faster than if you were offering it for cash as this, the former owner would be. I think there's going to be some opportunities for that, some good opportunities for that in this market. If we see softening, which we already are on the mid to upper mid middle class homes, and if we continue to see more, you're going to have some more motivated sellers. So that might be a good market to target for subject to deals. Also, even though homes might not be appreciating the market, uh, rents may be still going up. So rental properties, multifamily, you know, anywhere from two to 50 units, you're going to continue to see increases in rents. And again, if you can fix in a 30-year mortgage at, in the fives, as rents go up and up and up, you'll become more profitable. And as you become more profitable, your property will go up in value as a multifamily. And just remember, as just to kind of sum up the discussion, keep tabs on your local market always. Every couple of months, 
do the numbers I talked about earlier, do the median price, do the days on market, do the supply quotient, really keep tabs on the neighborhoods that you're buying and selling and renting houses. Deals should make sense vis-a-vis short-term appreciation. Long-term, if you're looking 10 years down the line, you know, you could look at a neighborhood and say 10 years from now, this will double regardless of what it does in the meantime, up and down in Uh, cyclical uh, phases. That's fine. But if you're looking at buying a house and appreciating over the next year or two, the same rate it was the last five or six years, that may not be the best strategy if that's your only way to really make money on the house. Um, So consider the short-term appreciation. If it happens, just gravy. Focus on the cake. No. That's gravy. No, that'd be icing. <laughs> Focus on the meat. <laughs> and of course, make most important, if you're going to buy up properties in a down cycle, watch your cash flow. Because even though rental properties might continue to do well, you never know. In between 2009 and 11, when the market was down, I bought up a lot of houses and the rental market wasn't very good. I had break even and sometimes, you know, reaching in my pocket for houses, but it, it all worked out for me because between 2012 and 2017, 18, things appreciated substantially, so did rents. But there was a holding time of two or three years in there where things were not very good, and if I didn't have the cash to feed it, uh, I would have been in big trouble. So just keep that in mind. Cash flow is very important, uh, whether you're doing fix and flips or whether you're doing uh, rental properties and so forth. Okay, so again, the market going forward, uncertain, probably going to flatten on the lower end, may go down a little bit on the higher end. It may be temporary. It may be a year or two before people get adjusted to uh, higher interest rates. And if the economy continues to do better and salaries continue to rise nationally and more importantly in your local market, then people will be able to afford the homes and demand will will start picking up again and prices will start picking up again as well. I don't know. I think it's more of a local market thing than a national market thing, but prepare accordingly. Prepare for all scenarios, prepare for fluctuating markets, prepare to make sure that your neighborhood fundamentals and your property fundamentals are there. And I think you'll do well in the upcoming real estate market information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com.